Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there. So um, I wanted to take a quick moment and give a shout out to one of the listeners. Uh, one of the folks that helps produce uh, this podcast noticed a comment that was posted by WHEC41. Now, I'm pretty sure that handle is in reference to the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Chautauqua. The Chautauqua was a Owasco, I think that's how you pronounce that too, um, high endurance cutter that was named after the Chautauqua Lake in New York. The cutter Chautauqua was actually in the uh, Coast Guard service from 1945 to 1973, or at least that's how long that cutter was in service. Uh, it might have been with the Navy for a little while. I don't know. So WHC 41 um, left a really nice comment and, um, and, an, and an informative one as well. So in season one, episode six, inspections and Puda Jacks, well, 41, not like the president, but this guy whose name I'm just shortening because saying WHC 41 is, well, it's a lot to say really just for like six letters. But anyway, so he noticed that I actually spelled the word Puda Jack wrong, which isn't to say that it lessened the experience of, of doing Puda Jacks because uh, it was like a really horrible experience. But uh, regardless, he did help fill in uh, uh, a funny gap in my boot camp knowledge. So I, I, I appreciate that. Um, so what you're probably wondering is what exactly does Puda Jacks stand for? Well, first off, I didn't know Puda Jacks was actually an acronym for anything. I just thought it was some weird sort of sadistic or perhaps masochistic word that the training team in uh, Cape May made up. You know, I thought it meant something like, hey, let's watch the recruits work themselves to death while we sit back and watch with glee. Anyway, so that's not what it means. Puda Jacks, again, is an acronym, and um, it's actually spelled out P-D-U-A. I had spelled it P-U-D-A. So the correct spelling is P-D-U-A which really has nothing to do with public displays of affection because uh, that would be something different. But what it means is physical drill under arms. What? Physical drill? Well, son of a bitch. That's like the most polite phrase for what they did to us or what we made ourselves do to ourselves because they told us to do it or we'd be out. Um, before I um, close out here, and we get on to your regular scheduled programming. 
WHEC 41 also sort of confirm my, my general sense and experience of Pudajax. And his comment, and I'm going to quote him here, and my apologies, because um, I'm sure I'm not going to sound like you, but his comment in, said, and I quote, and was easily the most grueling hour of my eight weeks there, end quote. Now, I don't know WHEC41, but he and I and a ton of other Coasties who went through Cape May, New Jersey, and I'm probably sure other services share the same experience, but we're only talking about Coasties here, right? But that is one thing that we all have experienced at one point or another were Puda Jacks. So to WHC 41 of November 76, thank you, good sir, and I wish you fair winds and following seas. Hot, sweaty bodies all over the place, um, drinking. There are people throwing up in the streets because they were drinking. And occasionally you'd find some dumbass guy or girl peeing in the street. Gonzo, the Coast Guard ears. Key West, episode two. To Wall Street and the sunset. After I'd been left to my own devices, my roommates eventually made their way back to the room. Rob Diamond and Dave Trombone eventually came back to join me. Now, Rob was a really, 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 really nice guy. Um, he was probably the nicest one to me uh, my entire time in uh, Key West, Florida. I mean, I didn't hang out with him that much, but he was definitely, I mean, I don't think I ever met a nicer guy in the Coast Guard than Rob Diamond. Dave Trombone, on the other hand, he was sort of a, a, a different kind of person. When Dave would walk into a room, he always looked confused. Um, it's, it's like he walked into our um, room and was like oh, a complete stranger. And the, the look on confusion in his face was, was, was priceless. I remember the first time that I saw Dave. So I was sitting in, in, in our room and uh, I think I was watching TV or I don't know, maybe I, I was doing something, but Dave walks in and I turn around to look at the door and look at this wave of heat comes in too, by the way, because it's really freaking hot and humid out there. The humidity actually wasn't too bad. And, but anyway, Dave walks in and he blurts out, who are you? I'm like, hi, Tim. Just got here right out of boot camp. Dave went from this confused look immediately to Mr. Tough Guy mode. He just sort of like starts talking about what? I got stuck with a boot as a roommate. And I remember smiling back at him, sort of apologizing like, hey, sorry, dude, you're 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 stuck with me for a while. They started asking a whole bunch of questions about, you know, when I got out of boot camp and um, what was my nationality and what would I be doing? I was able to answer everything except for what I'd be doing. I, I sort of just told them they just told me to come here and this is my room and that I would have to go down to uh, the barracks lobby to get my assignments. That's pretty much all that I knew. I mean, I knew sort of kind of what the Coast Guard did by now, at least from 
what I learned in boot camp. I mean, the Coast Guard had search and rescue. They did maritime law enforcement, which included going after drug smugglers, which is sort of what, what I kind of wanted to do. I was hoping to be like those dudes from Miami Vice, you know, Sonny Crockett and Ricardo Tubbs. If you don't know what Miami Vice was, it was a TV show back in the mid-late 80s. And that's all I'm going to tell you about it. Look it up. I think I mentioned previously that Dave um, is of Portuguese descent from Rhode Island. He was always loud, but, it, but he was basically a good guy overall. I mean, he was really nice too. He was nice when nobody else was in the room, but then when his shipmates showed up or some other guy in the Coast Guard showed up, he turned into Mr. Tough Guy. He was kind of embarrassing um, how he did it, but Dave wasn't the, um, I don't think he was ever a stellar Coastie. I think he just sort of was always in a state of confusion and he got picked on a lot. Um, by the, um, the guys on his ship. Cause I th think he was actually the, the most junior guy on his ship as far as seniority. Dave was actually assigned to one of the, uh, the Coast Guard black hull boats. I mean, it was a, it was a new black hull boat. They were called surface effect ships or SES for short. The SES is, uh, were again, were fairly new in the U S Coast Guard. I don't think they came into service until sometime in the mid to late 80s. There were three of them that were stationed in Key West, and they were predominantly focused on uh, the interdiction of narcotics. Interesting little factoid about that. It wasn't since Prohibition, you know, the time when they outlawed alcohol in general, but before then, the Coast Guard didn't have any ships or cutters that were designed specifically for law enforcement until the SESs showed up. So it was kind of cool. Dave was attached to the third ship um, in this line of SESs. It was the WSES-3 or U.S. Coast Guard Service Effect Ship 3, Shearwater. So Shearwater was the name of the boat or ship. Now, what made these ships kind of cool was uh, not only were they law enforcement ships, but they, um, they had these giant airlift fans under them. And so when the fans got activated, the uh, boat would rise up a little bit out of the water and it essentially rode on these rails, um, pretty much like a catamaran. I mean, they had these aluminum sidewalls that came down along, um, along the side and that, you know, sort of would, would glide through the water. And again, like a catamaran, they were kind of cool, but apparently they weren't cool enough or maybe there were just lots of maintenance problems with them. Um, or they were too costly to maintain because sometime in on or about January, 1994, um, those three SES um, ships were decommissioned and uh, taken out of service in the Coast Guard. Now, at some point, Rob Diamond eventually made his way to the room, like I said earlier. But then things sort of get a little foggy, um, at least as far as my recollection. I think in time for the evening meal, I, I don't know if I went with Rob or I went with Rubiano. But what I do remember is that um, Rubiano and I 
after dinner. Um, he decided he wanted to show me around Key West, Florida and, you know, in something off the base, because that was really the coolest part about being in Key West, Florida was that you were on an island and you got to check out Key West, Florida. So Rubiano and I, you know, walked down the steps from, um, uh, my, my barracks room and we headed out toward what, this, uh, the back gate and the back gate was actually guarded by, uh, a couple of Navy personnel who were carrying 45 pistols on their hips. And occasionally you'd see a guy with an M16. They were guarding the back gate because that's what you do. You guard the gates um, on a military base. But right next to that back gate, um, you know, on the military side of the gate, the Navy had these ships. I think there's a total of six of them, but I don't think I ever saw more than like two or three um, there at the same time. Um, that's not true. Later on, I saw all of them, um, but they were called femrons. Now, femrons were really, really, really cool. And I'll talk more about them a little bit later on. But um, so they were there guarding the back gate, but they were also making sure nobody got too close to those femrons. So we squeeze past the Navy dudes. We uh, go out through the gate and immediately off to our right, you see these um, these commercial fishing boats, or that was sort of my recollection. There were some commercial fishing boats off to my right. And, uh, cause that's exactly how close we were to the water. I mean, it was like right there. The part of Key West, just outside the base, it always seemed really sketchy considering how close it was to the actual Navy slash Coast Guard base. Anyway, these commercial fishing boats, not only were they sketchy looking, but they just looked like shit. They had rust all over them. They were dirty. But these are the boats that went out and caught the seafood that was served pretty much daily on Key West, Florida. And I, I don't know, maybe they went to other parts of the Florida Keys. I don't know. So as Ruby and I are walking down the road, the sketchy road, we actually come across another road. Um, I think it was called Carolyn Street. Now, the significant thing about Carolyn Street is that that was sort of like the main road that took you to uh, the world famous Turtle Crawls. Now, Turtle Crawls was a bar slash restaurant, but what it was known for at the time in 1987 was that it had 50 beers from around the world. And I, I didn't know they actually had 50 beers on the different types of beers on the planet. But apparently, there's a whole bunch from different countries that Turtle Crawls had. And if you drank all of them, obviously not in one setting, but over, the, over a period of time, I think you got a t-shirt or, and you got to write your name somewhere like on the walls or the ceilings or someplace inside of Turtle Crawls. Got to write your name. So it was like a big deal. Um, I didn't go to Turtle Crawls all that often. I was 19 and drinking age of 21. And, um, I never actually drank 50 different types of beers. As a matter of fact, I don't think even in my lifetime, even to this point, I've had 50 different types of beers, probably close. But anyway, we didn't stop there, but he sort of pointed it out that that's where it was. And um, we made our way down the, uh, the rest of the way until we came to Duval Street. Now, Duval Street is, it's like the main drag through Key West, Florida, as far as uh, nightlife is concerned. I mean, it's world famous. 
at least world famous if you um, know about Key West, Florida, because I didn't know anything about Key West until I got there. Now, the only way to really describe Duval Street, it's sort of a weird, eclectic mix of people. There were locals, tourists who were mostly normal, sort of weird or mostly weird, and just some downright odd stuff going on. I mean, along Duval Street, there were just tons of bars and some restaurants, but those restaurants were really just pretending to be restaurants. They were actually just a disguise for some more bars. Kind of one of the cool features of uh, Duval Street was that most of the buildings were three stories tall and each level tended to have a different type of bar or a different theme bar. I don't know if they were like the same owners with just different themed bars, but anyway, I always thought that was kind of cool. Anyway, as I mentioned before, Key West, Florida is hot during most of the year. And with all of the drinking that goes on and on Duval Street, some things tend to, you know, become sort of the norm. There are hot, sweaty bodies all over the place um, drinking. There are people throwing up in the streets because they were drinking. And occasionally you'd find some dumbass guy or a girl peeing in the street. Or sometimes there was a homeless person, which weren't really too many on Duval Street. They did a good job of either hiding. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST them from the public or they just had a just a low number of homeless people in Key West. But regardless, 
there's always this weird smell um, there. You, you do get used to it, um, but you know it's a combination of hot, sweaty people and urine and seafood and alcohol and mostly beer um, running around there. But the for me, a 19 year old kid from Fauquier County in Virginia, uh, none of that was actually particularly interesting or noteworthy. But what was noteworthy and mostly shocking to someone like me, at least from my exposure to the world, let me put it that way, from what I was exposed to, the most shocking thing to me was this place called the Copa. The Copa was a nightclub. You're thinking, well, why is that shocking? Well, it wasn't that the Copa itself from externally was shocking. Though I do think that the Copa might have been named after that Barry Manilow song, you know, the the song called Copacabana. I'm not a fan of Barry Manilow, though I do know who Barry Manilow is. And I only know who Barry Manilow is because of my mother. My mother loves Barry Manilow. At least she used to. And um, I can sort of remember her playing those Big 33 uh, vinyl albums in the house. Uh, Yeah, anyway, now I got that song in my head, but um, trust me, for your sake and my sanity, I am not going to try to sing it. But what made the Copa so shocking? Well, along the 600 block of historic Duval, one of the things that immediately catches your eye about the Copa during this time in December of um, 1987 there was sort of a small in stature um, guy. Uh, and by that, I mean, he was probably like, you know, five, six, five, seven, not, not a tall dude and sort of a slight build. But he wore an all white suit from like head to toe, white shoes, white pants, a white sports jacket with them. I think he had like a white tuxedo shirt underneath it. And he, he kind of looked like he just walked off of uh, an episode of Fantasy Island. Like he could have been like tattoo to Mr. Rourke. I mean, he was taller and he also had these two, they look like crochet needles, like sticking through his hair on the back of his head. I had no idea what the hell that was for. I mean, it just looked weird. Uh, But then again, this is Key West, Florida. So it was probably normal. Standing kind of close to him, but not too close, was um, a big dude. He was clearly a bodybuilder or a bouncer type person. And I'm pretty sure that's what he was. He was a bouncer. And he was also wearing um, a white tuxedo shirt with a bow tie. And I think he had on black slacks or something. But he was definitely sort of sort of a mountain of a man. So I think the, the, the smaller guy, um, I think his job was to be the hype man, or I think the technical term is he was out there barking. I didn't make up that term, okay? I, I heard about it somewhere, but essentially he, this, this dude's job was to get people to come into his nightclub. And again, the thing about this particular nightclub is that it was the first time I had heard of this, this sounds a little crazy, especially nowadays. Um, it was the first nightclub that I heard of that was devoted to 
well, it was a gay nightclub, folks. I mean, what can I say? I was trying to find some elegant way to say it without sounding like a complete jackass. But yeah, it was the first gay nightclub I'd ever heard of. Um, I'm sure it was not the only gay nightclub. I mean, around, but it's, again, I was from Fauquier County. I didn't know anything about anything. But anyway, so that was shocking for me. Um, I never went inside of the Copa. Rubiano had told me that the Copa was off limits to all Coast Guard personnel. And he was pretty sure also that included all military personnel in general, like the Navy guys who also lived in Cuba, Florida. I don't think I ever heard any official word that it was off limits, but I, I just can't imagine that Rubiano would make any of that up. On an occasion or two, when you got, when you walked in front of the Copa, um, on a late evening, you could just barely hear some music that was coming out of it. It was really faint, but it was definitely dance music. You couldn't, like I said, you couldn't see any because the glasses were all, you know, blacked out and stuff, but you can definitely hear it was dance music. So there were some credence to the fact that it was a nightclub. That's all I know about that. Fast forward to August of 1995. The Copa had caught on fire and some of the surrounding buildings also caught on fire. And uh, so the Copa is no longer there. Something else did replace it. Um, uh, another type of nightclub replaced it. And uh, the last time I was in Key West, Florida was back in um, like February of 2007. The blacked out doors were gone and you could see into the nightclub. And when I was there, there wasn't a lot of people. Again, I was there in February, so not a lot of tourists are out and about. Um, was, I was probably there during the, the early part of the week, too, so people definitely aren't out. Um, well, statistically, there's fewer people out during the week. But it, they made it clear that, you know, everyone was welcome. But anyway, another interesting thing on um, Duval Street um, was a head shop. And uh, essentially a head shop, at least back in 1987, was a place where you could buy, you know, drug paraphernalia, you know, things like bongs and bowls and whatnot. But they also sold these cool white t-shirts. And by cool, I mean, they weren't cool if you were some military, you know, high muckety-muck or one of those uptight people. The shirt said on it, um, I think it was U.S. Coast Guard water Nazis, or maybe it was water Nazis, the U.S. Coast Guard. Clearly the people, proprietors of that place were not fans of the Coast Guard. Imagine. As we're walking, I, it wasn't clear to me exactly where we were going. I do know we ended up at a place called Mallory Square. Now, Mallory Square in itself is kind of an interesting place. Um, there were literally people everywhere. There were different types of people that were there. There were street performers, um, people selling souvenirs. I mean, they looked more like stuff that you'd find at a flea market or maybe something stashed away like in your grandmother's closet or basement. But it was here at Mallory Square. Um, it's, it's where I learned about the world famous Key West sunset celebration. Now, when I think of celebration, I usually, it's usually something that doesn't happen all the time. That's why you celebrate it because it doesn't happen all the time. But in Key West, so far as I know, the sun was setting every damn day. 
right? I mean, if it wasn't, we'd have some bigger problems going on. But almost every night or every night that I know of, they had their Key West Sunset Celebration. What that really meant, I think, was just an excuse for people to go to Mallory Square and they promoted lots of alcohol. I mean, people drank all the time, mostly tourists, of course. But I'm not even sure that it was just the tourists that indulged in the sunset celebration. I'm, I have to imagine locals did too. And that because mostly it was the locals that were working down there, um, supporting all of the tourist needs. And you're outside, so you're going to see the sunset celebration. Maybe you don't pay attention to it. I don't know. I mean, I didn't want to be a tourist. You know how it is when you're, when you're new to an area and you um, want to blend in. You didn't want to be a tourist, but... Um, the locals knew that you essentially didn't belong there. You were a tourist. I don't know how they knew, but you know, they, you just stick out, right? So if you get to Mallory Square, uh, there's always something there that can occupy you. And whether it's, you know, watching the um, street performer shows, um, it always seems like no matter how many times I went there over the span of a number of years, there was always some fire breather and there was a southernmost fire breather or southernmost fire dancer or southernmost juggler or something like that but at some point you you have to wonder what was so special about um these key west sunsets i mean other than the fact that apparently it was the last place on the east coast I think that you could see the sunset. Um, that was kind of significant, but was also kind of interesting about a Key West sunset is that if you were there during sunset, I think I'm saying sunset too many times here, but there was this thing called the mythical green flash at sunset. I suppose it's supposed to be sort of like the Key West version of the Northern Lights, except you're in Key West, not up north, and it's a sunset and or a flash, not a light. The thing about this, it was rumored, and I say rumored because I actually never saw it myself, nor do I know anybody that actually saw it. If you were looking out at the sunset as the sun was starting to, you know, uh, dip below the horizon, at some point you'd see a green flash. Now, of course, the atmospheric conditions needed to be just so, and you needed to keep your eyes open just so, don't blink, and stuff like that. So on December 14th, 1987, around 5.40 p.m. is when sunset was. I remember just before this whole moment was happening, Everyone sort of looks out across the Gulf or towards the Gulf. It got really quiet, quiet enough. I mean, the, the, you know, quieter than it was. And people started watching the sun, you know, sink below the horizon. It was kind of cool. I mean, it was my first sunset I'd ever seen over the Gulf. My first sunset that I saw in Key West, Florida. So it was kind of nifty and people are watching and stuff. And when it was all over with, there was no green flash. All right, whatever. At that point, you know, people sort of stared out a little bit and oohed and odd, and they talked about how lovely it was and all that kind of cool romantic sort of stuff. Rubiano and I just turned around and walked away and we started heading back toward the base. But along the way, um, 
Rubiano took me over to this seawall where we just sort of sat down and let our legs dangle over the edge. We kind of sat there and we talked for a little bit. Rubiano was rambling on about different things and people and he kept saying, I don't want to say too much. I'll let you see for yourself. But yet he kept on talking about the same sort of thing. It was my impression that his um, soon-to-be departure from the U.S. Coast Guard was starting to, like, you know, starting to, to get to him. I think he was, when he was getting out, he was going to go back to Miami. I think that's where his, he and his family were from, or his family was at, at that time. But I, I don't know. I don't remember. But he kept on talking. And um, it's all good, right? I mean... I'll, I'll admit that sort of hanging out on that seawall and just chit-chatting away and although the sun was officially down, you know, there's still plenty of light um, to see, uh, but it was a, a bit of a weird, surreal moment. Looking out over the gulf, seeing the ocean, it had occurred to me at that point that I had not had that much freedom like ever. That is the most freedom I'd ever had in one day. Which wasn't, isn't to say that for the next several years, there wasn't going to be people telling me what to do. But for a 19-year-old kid who just 10 weeks ago was, was living at home and just, you know, still living the life of a teenager with his parents, I'm, I'm, I had officially moved away and um, living in Key West, Florida. I mean, it's not that I hadn't been away from my family that long. I mean, shit, I spent eight weeks in boot camp getting my ass handed to me almost every day. But now I'm 19. I'm over 1,200 miles from where I grew up. I'm officially living in Key West, Florida. I'm totally fucking scared about what, what's happening next. But at the same time, I'm pretty damn happy about it. It's kind of cool. It was all really cool. Eventually, Rubiano and I made it back to the gate. We showed the, the dudes our military IDs. The Navy pukes let us in. We get back to the barracks. And it was at that point Rubiano walked me back to my room. I wasn't sure he wanted to make, he was checking to make sure I didn't get lost or perhaps he just was sort of milking it to make sure he still had someone to talk to because he was going back to his room and I don't know if, his, if he had a roommate or... He was by himself, but either, either way, I'm pretty sure he didn't want to be alone. When I got back to the room, I remember sort of just sit, uh, sitting there and chit-chatting with Rob Diamond a little bit, and um, he just, you know, just kind of, told, you know, was welcoming me to the Coast Guard and sort of telling me a bunch of stuff and a little, a little bit about the base. He, too, was also assigned to the barracks as well. And, um, he did mention that, you know, we needed to be there by seven thirty. He usually got there a little earlier. And, um, so anyway, we didn't really talk a whole lot cause it just finished getting settled in and went to bed. Anyway, I'll admit I was pretty pooped. I mean, it was a long day. I'd been up, um, probably around three thirty that morning. And so, yeah, I was, I was pretty wrecked anyway, pooped. Speaking of poop, not referring back to season one, uh, episode one, but I'm talking about Dave. 
Now, again, I mentioned Dave was really a nice guy, but he had no shame or rather he had no boundaries and uh, or very few boundaries. But I'll, I'll tell you more about that later because some of that stuff was like I was not getting used to that. You've been listening to Gonzo the Coast Guard Year's Key West, written and produced by Tim Gonzalez, and I'm Nicholas Gonzalez, the voice guy. Join us next week for another episode of Gonzo the Coast Guard Year's deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.